Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coordination.com, hosted on JitteryMonkey.com, part of the Jittery Monkey family of podcasts. My name is Greg Mahachko, and uh, the council is in session. However, we've we've got an alternate, a substitute. If you not really, we have a special guest, and then and then John Dam Johnston. And I say that I, I, John's become a regular here, and everybody uh, loves his his hot takes. I'm not a special and, and, anymore. Well, I mean, you know, you're always special. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, we appreciate the weekly updates on the winos and such. But Haas says to me uh, on uh, Wednesday of this week, he says, man, I don't think I can do the recording. Uh, I, I believe his exact words were, I'm up to my ass in lesson plans. Uh, that sounds scary. I I don't know. Uh, but uh, so John is is taking the role of Haas this week, uh, so to speak, and our special guest uh, that we wanted to get on for this week uh, is Paul Dalen, making his uh, triumphant return to the Five Heart Podcast. Paul, welcome back. Uh, thanks, Greg. So one of the th- things, obviously, we could talk about the win against Bethune-Cookman, uh, and not to say it wasn't good when it was fun to watch, uh, you know, at times, um, but... This is a big week that we have coming up in Ohio State, traveling to the Horseshoe, and um, I mean, I guess first let's let's put a bow on on last week's uh, you know game and and the win, you know, the second straight win. I think Haas uh, shared the picture from uh, Major League saying one more win and, and you know one more game and you can call it a, a winning streak or something like that. Um, did did you see anything in that game this past Saturday that surprised either one of you, uh, John? First. Our second string offensive line is not very good and doesn't deserve to be on the field ever. <laughs> a a uh, a sincerely hot take. Thank you. Well, you know that's kind of. I mean, when they came out in the second half, it, I, I mean, here's the thing: you can understand like you can understand like Noah Vedral. It's his first time in Memorial Stadium. He's out in front of like let's say ninety thousand people. I mean, he's got to be a <laughs> little a chance. Well, you know what I mean. He's out in ten. He's he's out in front of millions of people watching this game across the globe. Okay, in a Husker uniform for the first time on the field performing. I mean, he's got to be a little nervous. He's got to be a little hyped up. But uh, other than that, I mean, you know, these guys. You could give them that maybe, but you they kind of went out and they just. Uh, I think one of the comments on our game thread is. Our second string offensive line is not better than an FCS school. And I thought that's kind of appropriate right now. Though they seem to get their crap together as the game went on, but you know, I guess when you look at it and you go, you know, when people go, that guy's plays terrible, get him out of there. They never name a replacement, number one. And number two, we saw the replacements and they're clearly not ready for prime time. So I guess that was the thing that I was kind of surprised about. 
And it was nice that, uh, as I said, John filling in for Haas, and you know that that position on the show always has to be critical of the offensive line. So uh, we were able to hit our quota this week. Thanks, John. Yeah, you're welcome. That, and I'm not drinking no Coors Banquet. (laughs) Not tonight. Uh, No. (laughs) Paul, what what did you see uh, Saturday? Did anything uh, stand out to you in particular? (laughs) Well, to follow up on what what John just said, um, Um, first let, let's, let's, um, whoever is saying that, that there was 90,000 people in the sellout was, uh, was probably the same, uh, uh, contractors that came up with the, um, inauguration statistics, uh, in attendance. So, wow. um, I was kind of, I was kind of, I had a good laugh about that. Um, I bet there was probably no more than 65 or 70,000 butts in the seats, um, and I was a little bit disappointed in that. However, I know it was complicated. A lot of people didn't want to pay for essentially the same game twice. Um, uh, so, you know I mean, what that, that was? That game was a game that you take your kid to their first game. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so, see, and, there were 90,000 people in the too. seats, but they were little tiny people. <laughs> <laughs> that, that could be. And probably possibly invisible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can, can go certainly the um the the yeah anyway but no um i'm gonna i'm gonna go with what or to, again piggyback on what john just said except just the fact that essentially for the entire second half um we had a crappy second and even third team um offensive line actually entire offense out there um and we haven't it's been a very long time since we could comfortably and um, in a win anyway, say, hey, we don't need to worry about this. Let's get some guys um, some reps. And it doesn't matter how bad or how well they play. Um, the game has already been decided. So it was really good to do that. It had a feel um, a lot like a old uh, Tom Osborne coached um, 80s or 90s um, Nebraska team. Just completely overwhelming and overmatched team. Um, in the second half, excuse me, in the first half, and then doing pretty much nothing um, except letting the young guys make a lot of mistakes on the second half. So that was that was good to see. Um, I I was kind of, I don't know whether to be happy or a little bit put off about it, but it's clear that 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 Frost is going to make at least one thousand yard uh, receiver, um, and maybe even um, along with uh, Stanley Morgan um, having J.D. Spielman get to 1,000 yards because both of them are now on pace um, to reach that mark. And it just seemed like uh, Frost was intentionally using this, this, uh, this game to, to um, speed that um, along. Uh, I, I don't know if... If he was using it that much, they would have come out for at least the series in the second half. Yeah, that that might be true. Um, it just and I was a little. I tell you the truth, I I predicted a game plan where we never threw the ball anyway. We just came out and ran it, shortened the field. Excuse me, shortened the game, and you know, handed them a check and went home and and. Um, took a shower and watched uh, football for the rest of the afternoon. I was really surprised that we threw the, the ball as much as we did. Although Frost was like, hey, he's going to run his offense. So, um, which is what we did. 
I'll tell you one of the things that, you know, in the game that I saw that was not surprising at all was not running Adrian Martinez. Um, not really anything, uh, you know, designed, you know, quarterback runs uh, for him. And, and that makes complete sense, especially knowing what you have coming up, uh, you know, not just with Ohio State, but the rest of the season. No sense in, you know, putting him in in a position that, you know, he, he's going to take unnecessary contact. So, uh, you know, while the rushing numbers could have perhaps been better. I still think Divino Zigbo did a great job. Uh, Maurice Washington did did good. And, you know, it was, as, as weird as it is to say, it was nice to see Mikhail Wilbon out there in the second half. Yeah, it was. It was. And I, I think uh, Scott Frost is, well, I was almost going to just call him Scott. <laughs> when do we get to be on first names with oh, sure, faces sure. with him? Can we just start calling him Scott from now on? That's fine. Okay. Well, I think Scotty, we just <laughs> moved to Scotty. I think Scott is going to run his offense no matter who he's playing because his team still has to learn his offense, and his offense is pretty dynamic. And, uh, you know, I've been saying this forever. The season started. we got to score 40 points a game, and you need to get conditioned to scoring 40 points a game. And at halftime, he was at 38. So, and they got what? Was it 45 to 9? I I mean, I think so. Nobody even remembers. Okay. I think the other thing was uh, our game thread was pretty salty about the defense in the first half, which kind of amazed me because the defense gave up one broken 54-yard 50 yard pass reception. That's the only thing they did wrong. So to be salty about the defense in the first half is kind of like going – yeah, it you know it's kind of like the winos complaining about the fact that I gave him Boone's Farm last week. I mean, come on, it doesn't get any better than that, you cheap bastards. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, it was nice to see, uh, unrelated to the Boone's Farm, uh, although certainly gave reason to celebrate uh, points from special teams and. and I don't know about you guys, but as I'm watching that, the first thing I'm doing is, all right, where are they going to call the hold? Where are they going to call the block in the back? Where are the flags? And then you get all the way down there, you don't see any flags. You're like, holy crap, holy crap, it actually happened. True. I think I think actually I didn't read the rules. And I, I did write that artic- article on holding. If you actually read the rule book and you'll familiarize familiarize yourself with the rules, I'm pretty sure that a block in the back has to involve the hands. I'm not 100% sure, but holding actually specifically says hands. You know what I mean? So So it's like soccer. Don't use your hands and you're okay. I think so, yes. All right. Well, we could get more specifics about... You know, the Bethune-Cookman game, the big win over the uh, Wildcats. But that was a, a lot of days ago, and, you know, we've moved on from that. Uh, so moving forward, now we get to talk about Ohio State. But before we get there, we had some, you know, over the last 48-hour news cycle, and we're recording this Halloween night. So happy Halloween belated, everybody. Happy All Saints Day to those who uh, celebrated, and happy Friday to those who were just – Happy it's Friday, I don't know. Um, but middle of the week or, or early part of the week, we had a pretty exciting 
48-hour news cycle, give or take, in the Big Ten regarding the University of Maryland. Uh, at first, they were going to uh, retain, uh, after the investigation, they were going to retain the head coach, uh, DJ Durkin, and the president said, you know, I would have liked to have uh, re- you know, fired him, but the board, you know, made a sound in, in his statement that he, he said, I was on board to fire him, but the board of regents said no, and, you know, and, and with under, uh, you know, pain of, of uh, being fired myself. Uh, so we were bringing him back. And then you have Wednesday afternoon, I believe it was, the word came out that, you know, because of the, you know, outcry and the backlash that they should have foreseen, uh, DJ Durkin was fired. I just want to get your guys' take on that because it is in the Big Ten. Uh, it is a similar yet different situation to uh, what happened, you know, over the summer at Ohio State. I just w- want to get you guys are smarter than me. Uh, you know, just hear your hear your uh, takes on on everything that happened in Maryland, Paul. Um, I am. Every day, it seems like whether it's in college football or in in the in any any in any way in the public sphere, um, the the ability of of powerful rich white men to to completely underestimate how badly their actions are going to be perceived just regularly astounds me. I mean. Th- <laughs> Maryland could have spent fifty thousand dollars on a public relations consultant, and they would have written them a short report and says, "Guys, don't do this. This is, is not going to go over well." Um, in the today's climate, Me Too climate, all kinds of you know, we're just really sensitive to a lot of things. Not to mention, it's just straight up. There's ho- just horrible stories that have ha- that have come out about how Dirk and his staff treated um, treated the team. You know, some of this, this weird stuff about making them watch like like animal slasher films for breakfast and things like that. I mean, it's like just who does that? It it all added up to how do you keep this guy employed? And and they in the face of this idea that they were going to keep winning, I guess. Um, they said, hey, let's just bring him back and we'll, we'll win even more and we'll go to a good bowl game. We're going we're gonna to win eight or nine games. And one, that's a, an idiot thing to think anyway, even if they had kept him. Um, but it just, yeah. So to, I'm, I'm, I'm mumbling because I still have not completely had the ability to process this. But I just I'm astounded at how stupid and how tone deaf um, the the Maryland I don't know if they're the Board of Regents or whatever they're called mm-hmm. uh, in Maryland, but just how dumb they are um, about it and how 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 much they've opened themselves up to a huge lawsuit now that they said you hired him back and then oh we experienced some public outcry so we need to fire you. Um, that's going to be kind of hard to defend in court. It really is. It's tough to fire somebody for cause after you hire them, um, knowing that you already knew the stuff that you had just fired them for or brought them back and then let them go. I just think this whole thing is just a a major clusterfuck um, on the part of Maryland. And Hey, can I say that on the 
this podcast. I forget yeah, which yeah, ones yeah. are allowed to swear. We're, we're, well, we're, fuck we're, yes. What do you think? <laughs> we're, okay. we're not the Cobcast. Well, there's that. Yeah, there's that. There's that other one that I'm not allowed to to to, to say fuck. So it's um, in their contracts. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this one's more fun. John. Anyway, what it, it, it's a mess. Um, and Maryland could not have fucked it up any worse than they did. This was this was this was high speed low drag um, uh, fucking up. John, before we get hey, you, I, I, well, oh go ahead. I was gonna say before we got to to your take, uh, Paul. You know, as we learned when we, when Haas and I sat down with you, uh, you know, a few months back. I mean, you spent time in the military. None of the stuff that you know they were doing, as far as you know, trying to I don't know if it's mentally toughening up the team. You know, like you said, you know they were showing. Like just gruesome videos and, and horror movies and things like that during team breakfast. That nothing like that was ever experienced in, in or by you. That, that's 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 not done in in the military. I mean, oh, that, hell no! Oh hell no! That's that's just sick shit. Right. Um, no, you don't. You do you know how you make? Um, you, I, I use the term men in. In gender non-specific, how you make soldiers tough, you train them, you go out and you practice and you do the things that you're going to have to do. Um, first, you start out doing the things without any complications, you know, it's and then you add a little bit more stress and a little bit more complexity. But you're just doing the things that you're training on mm-hmm. and you make people confident that they know how to do it. And you and, and and you build trust in the people that are leading you because you because the soldiers have to believe that their that their leaders and their commanders know what they're doing and that they have their best interest at heart. Nobody can watch, you know, somebody, you know, <laughs> just don't even want to think about what the right. videos were about and thinking that somehow this person has my best interest at heart, knowing that that same person ignored the guy dying on the field of rabdo um no that is not i mean if an if an army officer did something like that they would be court-martialed it just no it just just no (laughs) it's interesting that the two thoughts that i had you know in mind before learning that he was you know fired and and whatever comes from that legally i don't know in, in like like you said, Paul, there's probably a big payday in his fu- uh, future. But I had two thoughts. One was it's going to be really easy to recruit against Maryland you know, when, when DJ Durkin was still going to be the head coach. And two, you know, there were stories, you know, after he was brought back earlier in the week, you know, he held a team meeting, and there, there were reports that players were leaving the meeting. You know, I don't know if, if it's just, you know, I don't want to hear what this guy has to say. As you said, you know, he – definitely seemed like he didn't have you know the player's best interest in mind i wanted you know them to have like a varsity blues moment you know like before their next game against i can't remember if it's michigan or michigan state but it's this weekend where you know they they take that uh that stand and say the only way we go out on that field is without you you know and you know i don't know if that would ever happen but uh you know that that's what i would have foreseen obviously you know we got the news that, that Durkin was in fact fired. Um, 
and and like I said, the legal ramifications. I'm sure his lawyers are already, you know, filing papers and things like that. But but uh, John, as we bring you into this part of the discussion as well, I, I mean, just absolutely ridiculous reports that were coming out of of Maryland. You know that that got Durkin suspended in the first place, and then all of the you know, like I said, the the 48 hours or so this week uh, with him coming back, and then uh, you know being fired and. and Everything else. I mean, it's just social media in in general. I think does it, it does some good. It does some bad. But when you get it, you know the backlash like this that they faced. And I know all of it wasn't on social media. I'm sure much of it was was done, you know, on campus and things like that. But when you get that that kind of backlash, you know that hey, you know what? There's there's some people out there who still get it, who still have a soul. Well, you you started this out by kind of bringing Urban Meyer into the mix, we're, so we're, let's, we're do let's do that. Let's do that. Yes. Okay. Let's do that. Let's do Urban, that. Urban Meyer is still Ohio State's coach because he was worth saving. He was worth fighting for. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you're a a guy that's running a university system, you look out there and go, "Is this guy an actual asset to our university?" Even though he's maybe a complete bastard, is he an asset? Well, Urban Meyer has won multiple national championships at multiple schools, and he's one and one. And regardless of what you think of the guy personally or how he does his business, gosh, gee, he's winning. What did DJ Durkin do to ever deserve the Board of Regents of Maryland standing up for him? Didn't he go seven and five in his first year? That's probably what he did. Yeah, but this this year he susp- <laughs> they suspended him. Maryland is five and three under Matt Canada, who's done a good job. And you want to bring back this guy that nobody wants around? I mean, if he's Urban Meyer, you go okay. Well, he was suspended, and we'll make him pay a fine. And everybody goes okay. It's uh, DJ Meyer. He's the winner. I mean, those are the kind of battles you can fight and people will, I mean, at least the cynical old guys will go, yeah, I can understand why you're fighting that battle. In this case, you look at this and you go, you're fighting over a, you're fighting for a turd. That's really <laughs> it is. The DJ Turden. It's nothing but value in him that he brought to that program that he didn't destroy when he those guys let the kid die in the field and their strength coach was an abusive freak job. You know, so whether he, I mean, you could say DJ Jerkin can sue the University of Maryland, but that's like Art Bryle suing Baylor. You know, is it really a fight you want to make? Or do you just shut up at this point and go away? Go coach football in Australia or Singapore or Japan. But you're not coaching here where people can look up your name. You know what I mean? Where you're now a household name for abuse, basically. Um, they so, have the inter- they have the internet in Australia, John. Yeah, you but they don't right. care. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm pretty sure in Japan they probably have a different cultural mindset, and they're probably going like going, "Oh, we don't care. He's a coach." You know what I mean? You uh-huh. can go coach football in a country like I don't know Russia. We people get killed all the time in Russia. Nobody gives a shit. Can we talk about Urban Meyer? Yes. Let's well, talk but, about but, Urban Meyer some more. Let's 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 segue via Urban Meyer to uh, to this game this week. How about we do that? Yeah, no, that's that's. I was I was hoping to use the DJ Durkin uh, 
conversation as a segue to go from Bethune Cookman, you know, a little Big Ten, and then obviously moving on to this week's op- opponent. So yeah, let's let's talk about Urban Meyer. Um, do do you guys think that his, you know his medical uh, was was there the fact that he he shared this medical situation that he's undergoing? Do you think that's his way of you know just providing himself an out? Did he I say? Go ahead. Go. Um, I, I, my family, um, uh, several people of my, uh, several members of my family have recently dealt with chronic pain issues. And I want to make it very clear that in my fountain, in my comments that are going to come out of my mouth, that I don't wish, um, Urban Meyer pain. And if he is truly in pain, I hope that he finds some relief from that. I don't wish that on anyone. That being said, Urban Meyer has a long hat track record of when things start getting a little bit dicey for him, um, that he tends to use this as, a, as an escape valve to avoid what looks to be impending issues, um, those Impending issues after after 2006 in Florida uh, were some serious legal issues that were about ready to uh, with the team that were about ready to to come out. Um, here, um, the things are Ohio State is not nearly the juggernaut um, on the field that it was um, just a couple of years ago. There are some real cracks in there in their armor this year. And we can talk about that um, in a little bit, but it just seems entirely too convenient to me to see Urban Meyer's um, uh, migraines or uh, some kind of what brain cyst or whatever. I don't, I don't know. He's got like a, you know, like a parasite in his head or something. I, I don't know what's going on with him, um, but it just seems a little bit too convenient that he's just kind of setting the, you know, sort of prepping the battlefield. If we, want to you know, use an army metaphor to say, ah, well, it's kind of gotten bad and I think I need to step away and spend a little bit of time with my family and, you know, see if I can go back to my ESPN contract or something. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think Meyer's going to be back at Ohio State next year. I think there's a, I think Ohio State has some issues um, that aren't going to be fixed in the offseason, and I don't think Meyer – Wants to deal with it, John. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you kind of took all that. Yeah. Well, I'm pitching the ball to you, man. I mean, yeah, you, you gonna are. You're going to run with it or you're going to fumble it? What are you going to do? You <laughs> ate most of the cake and gave me a tiny slice and said, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the guest. You're the guest host. <laughs> so well, he's got a point there. Oh, well, God, I wasn't sure. I see I'm not special anymore. I'm not used to being in this position. Okay. Um, let's go. Urban, he's got an arachnoid cyst on his brain. Oh, is that what it is? Yes, it sounds It sounds like a spider. You know what I mean? Arachnoid. He does. He's got a yeah. spider in his brain. Yeah, yeah. That's but I, you know, cool. and it sounds and it sounds like you know. Anytime you say something in your brain, other than voices, I mean, that's pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> trying to give myself time to come up with something to say, but you didn't. Actually, I, I 
Ohio State does, they do look like a, at the beginning of this year, they actually looked like they were better without Meyer. And now that he's come back, they seem to have lost something. Do you think well, they, they lost badly to Purdue, but they have the, you know what? Purdue had just the right mix of things to beat them. Uh, Ohio State's defense isn't their normal crushing, smashing defense. They have trouble stopping the run. They give up big plays. And Purdue did exactly what they needed to do. I mean, they have that Rondell Moore kid that's a big play nightmare for teams. And uh, then they have that other kid that's gashed us for big plays up the middle. And, uh, yeah, Ohio State has some definite problems. I mean, they are, let's face it, they are a team full of four- and five-star players. So they have more athletes than anybody. But uh, I don't, and again, you go back to the Zach Smith issue with the domestic abuse that happened earlier this year. Uh, I don't want to defend him too much, but I can understand why that whole situation was not good for anybody. And I'm not going to make light of domestic abuse because Zach Smith certainly seems like he's got anger management issues. And, and you know, he's the stuff he does on Twitter, you kind of go, you'd be much better off if you just shut up and go away and get off social media and not, you know what I mean? Not say stuff. And for Meyer to keep him on his staff, knowing that he was a screw up, I, that, Again, you go back to, is this guy really an asset? And apparently to Meyer, he was a personal asset in that Earl Bruce was, what's Zach Smith is Earl Bruce's grandson or nephew? I don't know. There's a relationship there. But, uh, you know, a personal relationship asset for Urban Meyer to keep him around and really, was he doing that good a job? Probably not. So, I don't know. I don't know where I'm, I'm rambling now, aren't I? No, I, I, think, I, think, I think we're on the same page of music here. Ohio State looks really, really good and looked really, really good early on against some teams that we actually thought were pretty good. Um, uh, but in the first half of the season, Ohio State played Oregon State, Rutgers, and TCU. Excuse me, the first three games were Oregon State, Rutgers, and, and TCU. And, and at the time that TCU win looked really good. Um, it was a 12 point win and it, 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 it was like, Oh, okay. Ohio state's really good this year. One. And, but now we're learning that, that TCU is a hot mess. Um, then they played Tulane and, and then barely won by one point at Penn state. They've also played Indiana, Minnesota, and then lost to Purdue. Ohio State hasn't has it, it. It had one test that it won by one point in that ugly Penn State game, and then it got just blasted out of the water by Purdue. Um, and Minnesota hung. Minnesota hung with them for three quarters, considering it. Considering that Minnesota is the youngest team in the nation, that I. That was quite a feat by the Gophers. And the other interesting thing is, at the very beginning, the first week of the season, Michigan goes out to lose and loses to Notre Dame, and everybody writes off Michigan immediately. Mm-hmm. And now Michigan looks 
like, yeah, they did. I mean, everybody went, well, they're the same old Michigan and Jim, Jim buddy or Jim khaki pants is going to lose to his rival <laughs> again. And now it's looking like Michigan is the last hope for the big 10 to get into the playoff really. Whereas Ohio state, I mean, you mentioned people have to trust their leaders. They have to have faith in their leaders. They're looking out for them. And, you know, obviously we don't have, we don't have little cyst things in the Ohio state players heads to read their thoughts. But, uh, you wonder if this is a team that's kind of slowly starting to lose faith in itself and what's going to happen this weekend, I guess. You you have a juxtaposition of one team that may be losing faith in itself and another team that looks like they finally are getting their shit together in Nebraska. And that is a nice thing to say. I mean, obviously we have predictions time. at the end, but one of the things that we've made... been able to say that, but it's, it's true. Um, I and I don't even know if it's so much that Ohio State is losing faith in its, itself playing. I think I think there's a lot of doubt. Probably there's just there's a lot of chaos swirling around in Ohio State's players about whether Meyer will be back or not, um, and whether that's whether that's uh, valid or not. I don't know. Only only Urban Meyer um, can say that, but it, it does make you wonder, you know. Or uh, as a player, it would make you wonder what's, you know, are we going to be a team? I mean, supposedly we got the best coach, the second best coach in the country that we're playing for, but he's not going to be here next year. You know, what am I going to do? Am, uh, I don't know. It's just the mental part of winning is really underestimated. And I just think that right now, Nebraska um, has more of it, whatever it is, um, than Ohio State does. Um, unfortunately, I guess we don't play tiddlywinks. We, we play a very physical uh, game, and they're still a lot better athletes uh, top to bottom than we are. So I, I don't know what to think this year. Excuse me, this week. <laughs> I, I wish now having you having said that, Paul. I wish that instead of Bethune Cookman, we could have you know got the tiddlywinks on the on the schedule for last week. That would have been would have been interesting. Oh, well, we could have had like a band off. Their band was pretty good. I don't really I know, think I've, we want to have a. I watched them week. on YouTube. They're really really good. Better than we are. Better than better than um, uh, better than Nebraska. That's for sure. What, what is, so. Can I ask a stupid question? Having no like skin in the uh, you know skin in the game, I thought that. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Nebraska's band used to be like? Didn't it used to mean something? You mean the pride of all Nebraska? Yeah, I mean it's just. Well, I, I mean, I think I think I think we rag on our band. Number one, number one. We joined a conference in which the big, the best bands in the land are actually in the Big Ten. Oh, absolutely. It's not even close. Unless you want to consider the tragedy that is Stanford a band. <laughs> you know what I mean? If, if anarchy and chaos is your ultimate form of government, then within the Big Ten isn't your deal. But we joined a conference in which the bands are a thing. So, you know, I... I it, 
Secondly, I think I think that uh, our band and I, I I don't know this, but I think that our band is hampered by the same thing the rest of our stadium is hampered by. If you That's change tradition. anything, if you change anything at all, people shit their pants and freak out. Yeah. Oh my God, they're going to change the tunnel walk music. Let's all poop. You know. Uh, the- and, and and that's my biggest. That has always been my biggest criticism of the band um, is that they play the same songs all the time, the same. They march the same routines all the time. Um, Nebraskans love their all, same thing all the time. Um, and yeah, John, you're absolutely right. Um, the last thing we want is is something new. And and yeah. Uh, but but the other thing is, um, can I band, mean, can you uh, can you imagine can you imagine if Nebraska's band had a group of people dressed in dinosaurs run onto the field, four thousand fucking people would have died in the stands. Can I, can I quote uh, a very famous uh, quote <laughs> right now? That while we're talking about this, um, I'm as I'm working on. I know John, you're writing a book. I'm slowly working on one as well. And I'm going to incorporate this quote into it. But uh, Rear Admiral Grace Hopper says the most dangerous phrase in the language is we've always done it this way. And that's what, I mean, that's what Nebraska fans are. I mean, that's, uh, there's no room for evolution, you know. Is that not the case? I mean, well, uh, yeah, but then, but then the, but then the, you know, John brought up the, the the perfect example of just because you can do something, you never stop to think of whether you should do it. So, um, there's a there's a second there's another side to that coin. Um, I, I don't know. We've got the problem one of the problems at Nebraska is that we have so much shit going on um, that I think like I think there's less time for the band to perform for starters. Um, it seems like um, at Ohio state or Michigan, um, oh, God, that's... Iowa all have amazing bands and they usually play for several more minutes than Nebraska's does. Yes. Um, I, I think that's, I think that's something else too. I also think that because the bands are almost entirely in state, you know, you don't hand out, you can give activity scholarships, but there's no band scholarships um, that, it, it <laughs> Ohio State's popular Ohio's population um, that it draws from is ten times the size of Nebraska's. Um, same with same with Michigan. Iowa's almost twice the size of Nebraska. Um, it's tough. There is there are more better marching musicians in Ohio um, than there are in Nebraska. And and that is a thing because we're not going out and getting we're not recruiting trumpet players from Southern California or Texas. Um, I don't know. And you you probably have a good point about how many minutes they get to play because we're at half at our half times we're always trotting somebody out to give them an award for something or recognize them for something. Do and, a drug free pledge or something like that. We haven't I don't, done that. Do they? I, yeah, that's the spring game. Oh, okay, just <laughs> that sticks in my head as something that we always do. Always do, but maybe it's only yeah spring. But they are recognizing something. You know what I mean? And 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 a a person I know 
that's been involved with both Nebraska and Iowa State for years, years ago told me that when you look at what they're recognizing in Nebraska and how much money they get in donations to their athletic department and how much money comes into that program, uh, comparing that to Iowa State where they recognize somebody that gave them ten grand, I mean, it's it's phenomenal. And there's a reason why they do it. We just don't understand all those reasons. I don't know. I guess the band could be better. It's not a thing I look for, I guess. Because there's so much stuff going on. I mean, when I'm there I, anymore, I'm going to go shoot photography. And there's, honest to God, so much crap going on. You don't know. You, you, I can't pay attention to the band. I take photos of them, that's for sure. Well, let's talk about, you know, Nebraska-Ohio State. Obviously, it's coming up this weekend. Uh, and, Paul, uh, you were brought on here by request from Haas, who naturally is MIA. Uh up to his ass in lesson plans, yada, yada. Um, and I said to Haas, I said, Man, shoot me some specific things you want me to, you know, fire at Paul so that, you know, we can get some of your questions answered. He, he never responded. So, <laughs> but but since you are our, you know, we joke with our, you know, our friends over at the Big Red Cobcast, there's hashtag Pat the Stat. But really, when it comes to stats... There's only one guy. Yes, his name also begins with a P, but he's a coronation guy, not our distinguished competition. Paul, you are our, our stats man. And what do the stats say? What does the data tell you about this Nebraska-Ohio State game and Nebraska's chances? Um, I don't know if it tells me um, much more than uh what everyone already knows um every i know one thing that i have dealt with or worked with a lot is this this idea of the pythagorean theorem of sports i talk about that just about every episode um that i come on it's in football it's just the number of points um squared divided by you know, number of points you score versus number of points squared plus number of points your opponent or that you give up, um, like total points score in the in the game squared. So you get this, you get an, a, a, a win expectation, and if, then if you take that 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 number between zero and one, and times it times the number of games you played, you can get an expectation of how many games you should have won at any point. Um, Nebraska right now, I mean, it's a way to way to look at whether teams are overvalued or undervalued as well, um, overrated or underrated. Um, right now, Nebraska is the second most undervalued team in the FBS. And by that, it means we have scored 1.7. We have won 1.7 games less. Um, we are essentially by the number of points we've scored or how we've played, we are essentially a three and three quarter win team right now, rather than a two win team. Um, so that tells me, and I don't think this is going to shock anyone um, that Nebraska's had some bad luck. Um, the way the Colorado game um, ended uh, the way Northwestern ended um, those games really, uh, <sighs> Oh, they were really Nebraska wins in, in 
just about every way except the final score. Um, so moving that to Ohio State and then even for the rest of Nebraska's season, Ohio State is actually overvalued by almost a full game. Um, so ne- Ohio State probably should be, um, let's see, I think they're 6-1 and one right now, 7-1. Um, and one. Um, they probably should be six and two instead of seven and one, um, and I think obviously then that would be, you know, that Penn State game was a toss up. Um, I, I don't so that that tells me that Nebraska's is uh, record is not reflective of, of how good they are, and Ohio State's might be a little bit more reflect or might they might be overrated a little bit. Um, and I think Nebraska has been tested a lot more than Ohio State um, has as well. So I think that, that Ohio State is still a much better football team top to bottom than Nebraska is, um, but that may not matter because you don't play a top to bottom football game. You play um, uh, one skill position um, versus another offense versus defense and Nebraska actually has a lot of advantages um, that that may come out um, in this game One like what <laughs> oh, well, I thought you wanted to talk a little bit I get oh you know, my god you started with the Pythagorean theorem and then you said this squared times that squared <laughs> divided by the wholesome carbuncle and I just went holy shit my brain's exploding <laughs> I tell you what I tell you I know it isn't that hard it isn't that hard but since the brain injury got me I can't do math anymore. I can't understand really math very well at all. So I just pretend. I mean, I could do basic balance your checkbook addition, subtraction How stuff. How about this? But- okay, John. How about this? Last year, this 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 Pythagorean theorem of sports said it, it, it predicted. Looking back on it, it said Nebraska should win point three three four percent of or. 33% of its games. You know what? We went four and eight. We, 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 we had exactly um, where we should be um, last year. It was dead on for Nebraska. I mean, exactly. And, and this year it's, it's, it says that we should, w- that we should win more. Um, and the fun and the good thing about this is that teams tend to adjust. There's this idea of a regression to the mean that eventually the bad luck evens out. Over, if you play enough games, sometimes you're going to get some good luck. Sometimes you're going to get some bad luck because that's how the law of large numbers works. And eventually, your your record begins to reflect the what it truly should be, and that means that Nebraska should, you know, assuming we don't get some continue to get some bizarrely bad luck, is going to be better the second half of the season because it other than over other than Ohio state, the rest of our season is a lot easier than the first, uh, than the first two thirds of it. This is true. Although you keep calling it luck. I keep wanting to go. There's a witch involved. We should find them and burn them. <laughs> Talk to Mueller. Oh. <laughs> 
Wow. So, <laughs> Here's the thing. And, and beyond even Ohio State, because I'm, I'm going to kind of deflect here and kind of keep this superficial because I am not as prepared for this interview as I or this guest as I, as I usually am because I buggered that up and totally forgot that we were recording this tonight. Nebraska plays next, well, obviously next week, um, Ohio State. And then we have Illinois, and then we have Sparty and Iowa. And Ohio State, Illinois, and Michigan State are all significantly overvalued by my system. Only Iowa. Um, how, can, how can Illinois be overvalued? Because they're really, really horrible. Now, they're not overvalued a lot. And once you get on the, you know, the very far end, you know, Alabama obviously is going to look um, undervalued because, excuse me, it's going to look overvalued because you can't, there's no way in my system that you can truly be predicted to win 100% of your games. Um, and then you get on the far end, you get the zero, the 0 and 15 kind of thing, 0 and 12, obviously it's going to expect you to win something. Um, so at the far ends, it begins. It, it definitely becomes truly less meaningful, and in Illinois is definitely on the on the far bad end of it. But even even Illinois is has um, is predicted. I think they're one in seven, right? Um, they're that, pretty bad. Yeah, they're 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 really bad. Um, they're they won a half game more than 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 I would have expected them to. Now, um, Ohio State won almost a full game more. Same with Michigan State. Both of the uh, both of those teams um, are over overvalued a little bit, and and there's some there's some room for exploitation there. I think. By the way, I want to I want to point out one thing before we go on. You went through all this math gobbledygook, and then we actually hear you counting wins for <laughs> Ohio State. <laughs> Well, it's because like, that's because I have I have my my stat crib sheet here, so it, it doesn't have a record. I have to oh, actually okay. count www loss. You know, if they'd have gone over ten wins, would you have used their toes? <laughs> One, two, three, four. Yeah, yeah, I probably would have. Yeah. But so so so, what do you think the assets Ohio State has over Nebraska? You, did you look up your stuff well enough to know that? Yeah, um, their, their, their defense is still pretty good, um, and it's their strength is 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 certainly offense. So it's going to be um, their offense versus our offense. So the first one to sixty probably wins. Um, maybe or let's say the first one to fifty um, is going to win this game. I think. Um, but their but their defense is a lot better than ours. Um, that's good because I think our offense is better than theirs. But um, I think their special teams is far better than than ours. Our special teams just absolutely sucks ass, and it's a third of the third of the game that that we're not even that we're essentially just writing off this year. Um, I I certainly hope that we have. A plan to fix that going forward, but it's not going to get our special teams are not going to get fixed this season. That's pretty obvious. Uh, I don't know if Bruce Reed's got a gig. Maybe he'll come back, um, <laughs> offer him his four hundred thousand, and um, and he'll come back. 
Um, yeah, because so, that was that was a winning combination. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> isn't that isn't that the thing? If you say Bruce Reed in, on Twitter, you have to somebody has to respond with four hundred k or something yes. like that. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I, it's a, I think it's an unwritten rule of the internet. It is. It's like a meme. I don't know. Um, so I would say that that is your matchup right there. And their real advantage is just the fact that our defense is awful and theirs isn't. Um, it's going to take Nebraska playing perfect and not beating itself and Ohio State having a Purdue-like game, um, an, an, you know, a game like, I don't, if you guys watched the Iowa-Ohio State game last year, um, (laughs) where they just come out behind the Kinnick woodshed. Um, That kind of thing is, is, I mean, just making mistake after mistake after mistake. Um, It's going to take Ohio State, is going to have to help us beat them. Um, We're not going to do it alone. See, here's here's the thing. Purdue has Rondell Moore, and that kid's an explosion. Right. You know what I mean? He's an explosion like we think of Adrian Martinez. Okay? That's their big play guy for Purdue. Ohio State's vulnerable to that, the big play. We have J.D. Spielman. And we also have Stanley Morgan. Uh-huh. Uh, Purdue has D.J. Knox. And Washington. D.J. Knox for Purdue ran up the middle, just shredded him. Okay, we have Desvine Ibzigbo, doesn't have breakaway speed, but he can still do that up the middle. He can still power into their run defense, which I don't think, it's not the old Ohio State run defense. And the other thing that happened against Purdue is Ohio State racked up yardage, but they could not score in the red zone. So what's our... They looked a lot like Nebraska for the first couple games of the season. Right, so so what is... What is Ohio's? What is Ohio State's? Uh, what is Nebraska's red, sco- red zone scoring defense? You know, I don't know. Um, it's 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 a lot better the last couple of games. Oh, you know what? Let me look it up here. Um, you're going to have to do some editing because I'm going to admit that I have to look this up. Nebraska's red zone success editing. rate is 89 percent, um, and its opponents is 84 percent. And Ohio State's is, oh, Ohio State's red zone is only 76%. Yeah, so we can give up yardage. We're not even letting Greg be part of the show anymore, apparently. You guys are doing great. <laughs> okay, so the thing is, is Nebraska's defense has done two things wrong this year. They have gave up a bunch of yardage, and honestly, we're tired of seeing them give up shitloads of yardage, but... If they bend and don't break, who cares? Because my personal position on football right now in Nebraska is uh, we have to score. Again, we have to score lots of points. We need to stop worrying about our defense giving up massive yardage as long as they don't give up points. And we saw that against the high school team we just played where they did give up that 54-yard reception in the first half, but then they held them to a field goal. And Bethune-Cookman did a decent job of moving down the field until they got to the red zone. Now, again, I mean, Bethune-Cookman is obviously not Ohio State, right? We, we're pretty sure. Yeah. I, maybe their band is, but... <laughs> 
you know, not obviously in football, but I think when, like, during the Troy game, you saw you saw Troy's offense score on some runs right up the middle because key players made defensive mistakes. They literally were run out of position uh, by pre-snap movement and things like that. My God, I'm doing Haas really well, aren't I? I'm telling you, you're a natural. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, if Nebraska's defense can correct the stupid mistakes, I don't, again, we don't have the playmakers on defense that we do on offense, but they, if they can just correct the stupid mistakes, I, you know, I don't know. I think the big thing is you guys were talking there, you know, mentioned how uh, Knox for Purdue shredded him up the middle. We've got something like that in Divino Zigbo. I think part of the time is that, you know, Scotty uh, gets a little too, I don't I remember seeing this, and I'm not comparing regimes. I'm just saying I remember seeing this a few years back with Tim Beck. He would try to outbeck himself. And, uh, you know, when one thing was working, he would change it up in the second half, and then we, you know, the offense would sputter. But if if you're having success running the ball, and I'm not saying you got to run it, you know, 12 plays in a row up the middle because that'll, that'll kill anybody. But, you know, just if – Ozigbo's having a good day. Don't take the ball out of his hand. I mean, he's been pretty reliable over the last three or four games, you know, getting 100 plus yards, you know, on, you know, 17 carries or whatever it is. He he has the ability. He doesn't have like, you know, home run speed, but he's got enough burst that if he gets a little bit of space, he's going to pick up 12, 15, maybe 20 yards if he's given enough room. Uh, I, I think that I'm not saying you've got to work him to death. I know you've got other weapons. You've got the Maurice Washingtons, the uh, J.D. Spielmans, uh, Stan the Morgans, Adrian Martinez, I think we might fully see unleashed for the first time in some time. Um, I, just, I just don't think that if, if, you know, if you're having success run between the tackles, and I'm not saying that we will because the offensive line, you're not really sure who's going to show up that day. But if you're having success, I think you gotta, you know, work it. You know, don't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think I. The other key is this. I mean, early in the season, what you saw was a team that didn't have any faith in itself. Uh, when they made mistakes, I think you could tell that the the team let those mistakes like overwhelm them like a black cloud. Kind of let it define you, them. Yeah, and I. I mean, we feel a lot better, and we've beaten a Minnesota team that honestly didn't have much of an offense and found their offense and their quarterback for the rest of the season in the second half against us. And then we've also beaten a high school team. So it's not like we should be out beating, you know, war drums like we're going to, you know, make it big bets on this game. But on the other hand, it, it, I guess I have some confidence. Of course, I drink a lot yeah that's okay <laughs> we're all for that you know that you, you know the the rules of coordination especially uh cn hashtag cn slack after dark you better have at least two drinks in you it's, it, it's a two drink minimum paul are you still with us or did you go get yeah. some wine i no, i thought no, I'm, i i thought you no, were going I'm after the red here. wine no um no i uh have a bottle of merlot i've got some friends coming over tomorrow um, so I've got the Merlot uh, chilling, but uh, no, I'm just I'm just entertained. Just uh, I'm overwhelmed by the 
the uh, the entertainment. Um, just enjoying it. Actually, I was looking um, and doing some show prep while the show is going on here. That's how yeah, we do it too. Good job. <laughs> and um, one something that really worries me is Nebraska's third third down conversion rate is is pretty awful. Um, we're only converting forty percent. Um, and Ohio State is converting fifty percent. That's going to be a problem um, if if we can't improve that. And um, to, to can I piggyback on that? Is getting off the field on third down? You know, on right. defense. Yeah, um, our 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 opponents are giving up forty two percent. Are 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 um, hitting forty two percent third down conversions and. And Ohio State is much better at getting off the field um, as well. So that could be that could be the key stat right there. Is you know can we sustain drives? Um, one of the things in Frost's offense is a, as a big play offense is that you just don't have as many um, chances to get to third down. So, but having watched this team, it has been frustrating to watch how hard it is to get teams off the field. And Ohio State is probably the best third down conversion team that will have played yet this year. So that's going to be a challenge. Uh, let's hope the black shirts can rise to that one. Oh, God! What? <laughs> I'm sorry, I was feeling all good about myself. I'll just have another beer. <laughs> have a banquet for hot. I mean, they, they say, well, I don't have any. I have some Guinness. That's the, my beer of choice. Is, you know why? Because it's Irish and it has that sadness built into it. And it's just when you take a swig, you just go. Uh, that's like motor. It's like motor oil with fizz. And how can you drink that? I like <laughs> I love motor oil with fizz. <laughs> I don't know. I'm strictly it, a wine guy. You guys it know that. Keeps me lubricated. <laughs> well, okay. With um, uh, all of that, yeah. The, the the third down thing has been uh, it's been historically amazing to watch. I mean, you literally you go, yay, we're in third and long, and everybody goes, can we get our? We need the other team to be like in third and two. I've remarked that, you know, in the same, we do better defensively on third and short than we do on third and long. And it's, I mean, it's atypical of, of what you see from any college program. I mean, or from any football, any football team. Um, it's not that hard to understand. Our secondary is absolutely horrid. Um, and, and we have a much better run defense, short yards defense than we have, you know, it, have to pick up eight, nine yards at a time defense. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't see that as shocking at all. Our secondary is just that bad. <laughs> this, if I, this would be comparable to be, like me saying, I'm much better at basketball than I am at ice hockey. Well, yeah, but you're a pretty okay. terrific ice hockey What player, does that have to do with anything? I never <laughs> learned how to. I never learned how to shoot a basketball, really, but I've never been on ice skates. That's a terrible analogy. You can <laughs> cut that one out. My God, that's horrible. 
<laughs> you should. You, you both should know by now. Here, that... John, help me out. Am I missing something? <laughs> I'm not getting it. Okay. You should. You should both know by now that I don't take the time to edit. Oh my god. Well, I apologize for that shitty analogy. It was fant- It was actually fantastic. I. I. I, I thought it was great. It's staying in place. Everybody's <laughs> going to love it. Uh, everybody, go to the comments right now and say you loved John's basketball hockey analogy. Really pump up, you know, his, his self esteem a little bit. Uh, and for everybody who does, John will buy you a bottle of Boone's Farm. All you have to do is go to his house and pick it up and bring cash, probably. Yes, cash. Cash. <laughs> so. so- Let's get so John, to... you, 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 I know you grew up in Nebraska. Yes. Is it is it difficult being up in the cities and not knowing anything about hockey? Because I don't know if you know this, but I grew up just literally a stone's throw from the Minnesota border, and I know how to I know how to play hockey and and skate. Okay, 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 so okay. Just... Let me let me let me say something was, about that. it. Was like. All there was to do between, say, Christmas and the first of April. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll say something about living in Minnesota and hockey. Okay, number one, I realized what hockey meant to this state years ago when I first moved here, and I watched the state hockey tournament, and it was War Road, which is a tiny little town up on the border of Canada, playing against Bloomington Jefferson. The oh, biggest, Jesus. the biggest high school in the state, and they were playing against each other. And like one side of the rink was filled with Bloomington Jefferson people. It was like massive, and the entire town of War Road was like on the other side, and it was like two hundred people. But it was like Hoosiers. Yeah, it, yeah, it was, except for the fact that Hoosiers was clearly about like this miraculous small school. That War Road is not a miraculous small school. War Road produces hockey players like you produce poop. Okay, <laughs> four times a day. The other okay, so so small towns before they split the state high school championship into segments, uh, small towns around Minnesota played hockey at the same level as big cities. I mean, it was amazing to watch some of that stuff. And secondly, uh, when you go out. We, I, I think I probably have – I want you to think about this. Is this. I'll tie this back to Nebraska because people on our website constantly go, Nebraska should have a hockey team, to which I would respond, how many rinks are there in the entire state of Nebraska? Yeah. How many yeah. hockey rinks do you think there is? One. Uh, no, there's got to be more than one because well, – you know, uh, there's, there's, no, there's, uh, there's The Lincoln Stars and the in Omaha Mavericks alone, right? but uh, – Municipal, I have, a municipal I have, ice skating rink is expensive to maintain. Yeah, well, um, guess what? I probably have five rinks within five miles of my house. Um, okay. No, you've got you've got a couple thousand within five miles of your house because well, maybe you don't true. see it from the front because everybody floods their backyard. That's what we did. Well, um, we also have friends. Every, every, everybody shaves the lakes and they play on the lakes in the winter. Well, but, they do that too. Yeah. But during summer, you still can go skate. And when you go out on one of these skates of one of these municipalities, you will see two-year-old kids out there skating. Uh-huh. You'll see kids that can't walk skating. And what they do, the parents do, is they put their kids on skates. 
Is then they get around. Yes, they do. And <laughs> when you you literally when you go to join a hockey league and you're like five and six years old and you can't skate, your career is over in hockey <laughs> in Minnesota. So I want you to think about when you say Nebraska should have a hockey team, where the hell are you going to get the ranks, the players, all that stuff? I, you know, hockey can stay as a club sport in uh, Nebraska. Anyway, we got off track. What, where are we got? Greg, pull us back together. All right. It is about that time, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Husker fans of all ages, where we give you our weekly predictions. And of course, uh, Ohio State. The Horseshoe, Nebraska Cornhuskers are on the road tomorrow, Saturday. Paul, give us your prediction. Um, well, one team is going to outsports the other. We're going to um, need a little I bit am more specific unwilling. <laughs> um, I don't know. Come on, you were in the Army for like 38 years. 42 years and you don't know? Come on, give us a prediction, you puss boy. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Come on, candy ass. What the fuck does that have anything to do with it? I don't okay. know. My heart says Nebraska. My head says Ohio State. Um, so let's go with let's go with Nebraska in a shootout 41 to 37. I like it. It's respectable. John damn Johnston. What did I say last week? I don't know, but you were right. I mean, you were wrong, but you were right that Huskers would win. No, I I said last week about the Ohio State game. Oh, I don't know. Because we jumped ahead, remember? Yeah, you got you got crazy. I don't know. <laughs> I I think I think in order for I'll get it, Paul's right. I mean, your heart says Nebraska, your your brain says Ohio State. Uh, I told the Winos this week to expect to go back to Thunderbird, and they were very upset by that concept. But uh, I, I, I want to see Nebraska play a clean game. There's something about this game that tells me that Ohio State's mentality is crumbling. They really need this win to get back on track for them to have a decent season. And for them to have a decent season, you know what that means? That means that they – yes – that means that they beat Michigan at the end of the season and they win the Big Ten East and keep Michigan out of the playoff system. So this is a, a big, big game for them to keep in the Big Ten standings where they need to be. Okay? So it's a huge game for them. It's not a pushover game for them. They need to get their shit straight and keep winning games to, to still be successful. And for Nebraska, it's a, it's a game in which we're looking at we're on a two-game winning streak. It's weak. But, again, you want to see improvement. You want to see building. You want to see something going on. Uh, I, so I'm going to go with my heart because why not? I, I'm a dreamer and a romantic. And, and, and I'm going to say 52 to 48 because it's going to be like wing, zing, zing, zing with big, big plays all over the place and everybody scoring. And in order for us to get to 52, it means we're going to have to play. We're going to have to finish drives. We're going to have to play clean. We're going to have to either uh, score on special teams like J.D. Spillman did last week or uh, get maybe a turnovers, turn some short fields. Let's do it. I'm ready. And for a score of 52, you're probably going to have to have Barrett Pickering kick a field goal. Yeah. I like you it. know what else? You know what else? I, w- I will or, say this. I, or, I'll say this. Or eight field, eight 
touchdowns and three missed extra points. Don't be that guy, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) I will say this. Boone's Farm Strawberry takes much better in victory than Thunderbird does in defeat. I don't think there's anyone in the world who will uh, disagree with you there, John. I, man, I, I, here's the thing. I don't, I don't ever pick against Nebraska. Uh, it's not in my nature. It, it, I, if I did that, I wouldn't have a Husker podcast. I would have, uh, I don't know, unbiased podcast, but damn it, I'm a Husker fan. And so I pick with my heart. It's also why I don't gamble because I wouldn't have a roof over my head. Um, Nebraska needs this one to continue building momentum. Uh, John, you kind of nailed it on the head when you said, or hit the nail on the head, I should say, when you said that Ohio State, you know, the way that they foresee a successful season is beating Michigan, keeping Michigan out of the Big Ten championship game. Not to say that this game means nothing to them. They do need it if they have any hopes of uh, playing in you know, making the playoff, they have to obviously take care of business down the road, beating Michigan, probably finishing as the Big Ten champs, and and then you know from there possibly, uh, you know, getting getting into the playoffs. But uh, I I I think there's a few distractions around the program. You know, there's Urban Meyer's migraines or, or whatever's going on with him, and and you know, like we discussed before, I don't don't wish ill on anyone. Um, you know, I. I I, I believe in karma to the point that if I wish ill on someone, it's going to come back, you know, on me. So it's a little self-serving, but you know, it, it I'm of, of the belief that, Hey, you know what? If, if, he, if he can't do it anymore, if Urban Meyer can't do it anymore, doesn't want to do it, doesn't want the headache, no pun intended, the hassle, the horse shit to deal with, uh, you know, he can take his money, take his ball and go home. And we don't ever have to hear from him again. Uh, that being said, I like the, dynamics or, or the dynamic explosive offense that Nebraska is putting together. I like what they're able to do. I like getting the tight ends, you know, a little bit more active. And we saw a little bit of that from Jack Stoll. I think that if the offensive line can keep it together, uh, we can hang half a hundy on uh, Ohio state defensively. They just have to bend and not break every time. Or, or or not break every time, bend more than they break. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Um, so I I like John. I like your score the the 52 to 48. Um, let, let's let's not leave it in Barrett Pickering's hands. Let's just get all 56 points. If I did my math right, no, I didn't. Did I? Did I? No, that would be eight times seven. You're okay. Okay. All right. Eight touchdowns, <laughs> no field goals, but Barrett, we're going to need those extra points, buddy. And uh, and Ohio State, the, they're only going to manage a measly 45 points. Is it ridiculous? Absolutely. Is it uh, going to happen? Unlikely. But, damn it, that's my heart. And uh, we're going to need all 56 of those points to beat Ohio State, because they're a damn good program, and nothing would make me happier than going in. Of course, 
my Pittsburgh Steelers already uh, uh, beat the crap out of Cleveland like they should have done in the first week. So I, I've got friends who are both Browns and Ohio State Buckeye fans, and I would love to make this one miserable week for them. So, Nebraska, let's go take care of business. That'll do it. As far as I know, nothing else to add uh, from this uh, studio. And, Paul, we appreciate you coming on and uh, and sharing your wisdom. And, John, by golly, uh, where would we, we wouldn't even be here without you. So... Uh, you know what? I, I I this whole show was worth it just because I got to call Paula Candia. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> and, and I got to say fuck you. <laughs> so <laughs> I bet I bet them Comcast boys never call you names, do they? Um, <laughs> I haven't picked a fight with Tweety yet. Um, yeah, yeah, he yeah. Some really. He said some really kind of stupid things lately. I, I might have to pick a fight with him next time I'm on that show. Well, that's because Tweety's just dumb. <laughs> okay, yeah. we, just, we should end now. Not... Just a reminder that uh, we do like our friends at the Big Red Copcast, and we wish them well. Well, you do. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they That'll bailed be... on John. <laughs> so... <laughs> That'll do it for this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Make sure you join the conversation uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, coordination.com, jitterymonkey.com. Uh, thanks again to Paul Dalen and John Dam Johnston for joining me. And uh, Haas Reuter, we know you're listening. And uh, if you made it all the way through here, know that uh, it is uh, the fact that you are up to your ass in lesson plans that just – sounds so unruly and untidy and you should really clean your house uh so all that being said we wish you well we wish nebraska luck and we remind you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need paul go big red go big red you know i think i tried to run tweety over in a parking lot the last time i saw him win the damn game This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.